This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Luke Heaton, filling in for Bryce Johnson today. Hope you're doing great. I am thrilled to welcome on Jeff Payne, our guest today. He shares awesome stories about football, awesome stories about how God has grabbed hold of his heart, and his heart for ministering to others is incredible. He has tremendous wisdom and a great storyteller about his football playing days. A little bit more about him before we hop in. Jeff grew up in Richardson, Texas, before going to A&M as initially a walk-on player, and then eventually he was put on full athletic scholarship. And following his standout senior season as an Aggie linebacker, he was drafted in the 1984 fifth round of the NFL draft. So he played from A&M from 1980 to 1983. During his rookie season with the Chiefs, Jeff became a leading special teams player and a starting outside linebacker to launch his eventual four-season career in the NFL. While he was in Kansas City, Jeff met his wife, Beth, to whom he has been married for almost 36 years. They have raised four children together. And while Jeff was in the NFL, during the off-seasons, he received an MA in Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary. And upon graduation, In 1989, he and Beth returned to College Station to start a family, and that's where he began serving as the college pastor at Grace Bible Church, which, fun fact, is where I went to church when I was a student at Texas A&M. In 1998, Jeff began pursuing a career in the financial services industry as a financial advisor with Spectrum Financial Group out of Dallas, becoming a partner with the firm in 2002. He has been a chaplain for the AM football team. He's been an assistant football coach for youth football. He is passionate about being a minister of the gospel to this day, has awesome stories. So excited for you to hear this interview today. And I'm sure this will not be the last time Jeff comes on the show because I feel like we just scratched the surface. So really looking forward to sharing this episode. Before we jump in, I would like to thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. MediShare is an affordable and reliable healthcare option that you can trust. Check out MediShare.com slash it. There you can find information about what MediShare is all about, what they offer. They have programs for every budget. And the best part is members, on average, save 50% or more on healthcare costs. 50%. That's incredible. You get to save money and be part of a great organization. That's MediShare.com 
slash unpacking it to learn more about this tremendous, affordable, and reliable healthcare option. So right now, let's jump into our interview with Jeff Payne. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. On the MetaShare guest line, Jeff Payne, welcome into the show. How are you doing today? Very well. Thank you so much, Luke. I'm, I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Yeah, so we've got a lot of things to discuss today, but I want to start with your time at Texas A&M. And, you know, obviously it was an important time in your life because your career as an Aggie is what led you to the NFL. So I'd love to hear, how did you even end up at a and I mean, you played your high school ball in Richardson, Texas. Was college football a thought? So how did you end up playing for the Aggies? But then also, you know, I've heard you talk about that time in your life was really important in regards to your relationship with Jesus. And, you know, how did God use that time in your life to really capture your heart for him? Yeah, Luke, um, great question. That was uh, the days before uh, the preferred walk-on category. Um, so I guess uh, I was I was invited by Coach R.C. Slocum to try out for the Aggies. He he uh, he made it clear to me, though he was he liked my efforts as a as a high school player uh, and my enthusiasm and and so forth. Uh, he said the Southwest Conference just isn't going to have a scholarship for a, a linebacker that's 6'2 and 180 mm. pounds. So I I worked really hard and managed to put on maybe seven more pounds that summer. Uh, I weighed in, uh, as I said, you know, just shy of, of of 190. And I'll never forget the guy next to me was a was a top uh, recruit from from uh, Houghton, Louisiana, named Bobby Strogen and. Mm. I, uh, I, I asked Bobby, I said, I said, you know, uh, uh, how much did you weigh? And he said, two thirty. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, so he's got to be like a defensive end or defensive tackle or something. And I said, well, Bobby, what position do you play? And he said, he said, linebacker. And I said, <laughs> oh no, I know I'm in trouble if my, if the guys I'm competing with for a position uh, are two thirty, yeah, you know, I'm thinking that that was a big lineman that I had gone against in college. Uh-huh. So that must mean the linemen are going to be like two sixty or seventy, and I was well, exactly right. At that point, two thirty was out of the question. You weren't oh, getting to two thirty. Oh no, that was never going to happen. And and uh, until very recently, it didn't happen <laughs> all through my. <laughs> I'm fighting to stay around my playing weight or low two twenties, but no. So uh, anyway, that was kind of how, how it got started. And, and uh, you know, I, I had, uh, I had grown up in a, a, uh, a religious home. My, my mom and dad, you know, uh, were, had me involved in, in a Lutheran church uh, there in, in Richardson, Texas. And, and I'm sure the, the the people there were 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 good folks and and uh, but but I just missed you know the the personal uh, 
you know, relationship with God through Christ that we can have. And really what, Mm -hmm. what really revealed that to me is, is I attended, uh, once I was in college, I was invited by some of my teammates to go to a fellowship of Christian athletes, uh, summer conference. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I mean, I, I'd been involved in FCA. In fact, I was even the president of my high school chapter, you know, so I, I, yeah, I, I, I identified, uh, in that way, but, but had just missed, you know, uh, really the heart of, of what, of what God, um, has for us in Christ. And so I'll never forget when I was, um, in Waco the summer, I believe it was, uh, 1980. It was after my sophomore year. And, uh, you know, athletes from all over the Southwest Conference were there. And I'll never forget, um, you know, one of them was a notable player at the University of Texas, a, a, an all-conference, and I think became an all-American guard uh, for the University of Texas, Joe Sharon. And hmm. and and another uh, friend of mine, uh, or another guy that became a friend there at the camp was a trainer from the University of Houston that you know, hardly anybody outside of the University of Houston program knew. Yeah. And yet I could see, you know, in their eyes, they were, they were, they didn't look at themselves and define themselves by the world standards of, you know, hey, here's one that's all American on the cover of this magazine. Here's another that nobody knows about, but, but they were brothers and, and hmm. equal um, in value and, uh, in their relationship with God through Christ. And they had a love, you know, for each other and a concern and a joy that, you know, I just, for whatever reason, you know, hadn't really seen before. And, and mm-hmm. reminds me of a verse um, that Jesus uh, gives us in John chapter 13, I believe it's 35, where he says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. Mm. Um, and, and of course I would have filled, I would have expected that his, uh, the last part of that verse would be, you know, by the, by the fact that you go to church and by the fact that you Mm. don't cuss too much. And by the fact that, you know, you don't, uh, drink too much. And by the fact that, you know, uh, fill in the blank. I mean, all the different, um, ways we like to think of people who are religious or Christian, Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was that summer, uh, Luke, that I, I discovered, you know, the, the last part of that verse, he said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Hmm. And, and I saw that love and experienced this unconditional love, uh, that God had for me, um, you know, through Christ. And, and it was that summer that, that it all you know, came together for me. I mean, it wasn't mm. like I, I walked an aisle or, or saw, you know, a flash of lightning. I mean, some people yeah. have a very dramatic experience. Others don't. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my case, it was just a sense that, okay, um, Jesus really is God's son. And he really did mm. um, come to die for, for my sin. And, 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 to, for, and if I believe that and receive him, I experience forgiveness mm. uh, for all my sin, past, present, and future, uh, a new life, an abundant life in Christ, an eternal life beyond this life. 
And now all of a sudden I had a reason beyond just the glory of, you know, A&M football yep. to live. Hmm. And it was interesting. All of a sudden there was a P that peace of God that passes all understanding uh, just took over. And so all of a sudden I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have this pressure that, okay, to be somebody, I've got to make the starting team. I mean, I'd, I'd gotten put mm. on scholarship, you know, to, to really make something of myself in the eyes of my coaches and teammates and, you know, beyond that, the, the student body and, and, you know, college football fans, um, you know, to, to be somebody, you know, to be yep. a starter, to, to be one of the leading tacklers or, or you know, or, or pass catchers, whatever, you know, your position was. No, now all of a sudden my – my, you know, my, my passion, my, my, my pursuit was more just to be, you know, to be as much like Christ as I could and to bring as much glory to God as I could in mm -hmm. whatever I did, not just, you know, not just in my football and, but, but in my relationships with, with my friends and, and, and family and, and, uh, you know, to, to begin to, to, Hey, do my best in, in my, my schoolwork. I mean, you know, one of the verses that we talked about, it was in Colossians three, you know, whatever you do, hmm. work, do it with all your heart, um, you know, for, for, for God's glory and not, and not for men's applause. And, and so uh, that was a real kind of a paradigm shift. I mean, for, for, for my life at that stage. So it's um, such an encouragement to hear how formative and impactful those years at A&M were when you go there to play football, you're a walk-on, and you end up finding this deep relationship with Jesus that has stuck with you, that you, you've, you've been a follower of Jesus ever since. And it reminds me, I, I watched a, a Tex-Ags interview of you a handful of years ago. So I worked at Texags in college as an intern okay. uh, under right. Gabe, uh, right. which was awesome. Great. Yes. And yes. that interview reminds me of an awesome story of, of God's providence of God's goodness to you to kind of set you up for everything he's led you to, to the NFL, to meeting your wife. And it was Absolutely. the amazing story about the fumble yes. that prevented you from getting into the game. And I'd love for you to share that story for our listeners and how it propelled you to the NFL and then what came after college. Yeah, Luke, it's just, you know, um, just one of my, one of my top, if not top life lesson, you know, that God so graciously used the game of football, which, you know, he is so gracious because football, the game of football was my God, little G. Clearly, when mm -hmm. I came to A&M, if I'm, if I'm being really honest, what I got up every day thinking about identifying with and, and, you know, uh, how am I going to, you know, get better and, and so forth and so on. It, it was, it was football. That was my reason for living. I don't know that I would have articulated it that way at that time, mm -hmm. but that's, and I, and, you know, all of us have God's little G before we come to faith in Christ. I mean, whether it's, you know, just uh, another arena, as I like to say, maybe it's academics, maybe it's mm -hmm. the arts, maybe it's, you know, um, w whatever it may be. And, and still and, battle and, 
after becoming a follower of Jesus, absolutely, the no temptation question. to, to oh, no those. question, it doesn't go away exactly. Mm-hmm. But that that center point of your life all of a sudden changes when you come into you know relationship with with God through Christ. So yeah, that that story, uh, you know, I I always I always say you know don't worry about fumbles. God uh-huh. is sovereign, and that's kind mm. of the life lesson. So when I was a freshman at Texas A and M. There was a there was a rule that that the only way that you could redshirt, in other words, you you participate in the practices and so forth, you're you're maturing, you're getting better as a player, you're just not actually playing in uh, any varsity contest. Hmm. Uh, it's a great rule because it allows young players, you know, to mature. Well, the only way you could redshirt that fall was if you were injured. So, you know, if you if you hurt a knee or something, either before the season started or during the season, you didn't play very many. I forgot how many, you know, quarters or games. Uh, I think, you know, the, 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 the board made a decision based on, you know, those those factors. Mm-hmm. But you could you could they would grant you an extra year, which was huge because it mm-hmm. not only enabled you to mature as a player as a person, but also it gave you another year to, you know, pursue and finish your degree, which yeah, definitely. at that time, I mean, I, most people took, uh, you know, uh, five years to get through A&M. So you'd like to redshirt basically, especially if you weren't, yeah. you know, as mature as some of the guys coming out of high school. And I certainly wasn't, I was kind of young for my grade and, but, uh, you know, but at that time, if you didn't get hurt, then you wanted to play. You wanted to get into a varsity game as a freshman because that was sort of, you know, uh, that was sort of symbolic of, hey, you know, we, we, we think you've got a future here. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you would have a chance then that next spring to, to really get into the depth and maybe battle for a starting job. Well, before we played SMU, which was a home game for us that, that fall, Coach Slocum pulled me aside early in the week and he said, Hey, Jeff, he said, you know, we're playing SMU this week and you know, that's your, that's your hometown. You know, I was from Richardson, Mm -hmm. which is North of Dallas. And he said, I know you've got some friends that guys you played against at SMU and your family and friends will be at the game and so forth. So, you know, just as a reward, I want to get you in the ball game. I I don't know how long, don't know how many plays, uh, but, but I want to get you in the game on Saturday. So, you know, Luke, if you you can imagine how excited I was the rest of that week. Oh, I'm sure. Through. I mean, I, I'd been on the scout team. I hadn't even really been practicing, you know, with the in the depth. But for some reason, Coach Slocum was going to get me in the game. Well, so fourth quarter comes along, and and I I've already been following RC around, but <laughs> by the fourth quarter, I'm really close. I'm right on his tail, waiting, <laughs> uh, you know, wanting to remind him, "Don't forget, Coach." Yeah, and I'm buckled up, and I'm ready to go, and. I'm just waiting, you know, and so, so next, you know, oh, somewhere in the middle of the fourth quarter, uh, I hear, uh, pain next play. I'll never forget. I can still hear those words today. I mean, it's just, you know, and so I'm watching the play. And of course I'm a linebacker that year and SMU has the ball and the quarterback, you know, takes a snap, turns to hand the ball off and he fumbles it. Mm. And of course, this is a, this all happens in a moment, but it, to me, it's like slow motion. I can see the ball on the turf. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, everyone in the stands 
uh, you know, and everybody on our sideline, except yours truly, wants <laughs> A&M to recover the fumble because That's we right. get the ball. And uh-huh. but, but I knew that if we recovered the fumble, then I wouldn't get to play because mm. our offense would get it and perhaps keep the ball you yep. know, in possession for most of the rest of the game. So anyway, as, as it turned out, um, unfortunate for me, or so I thought, you know, uh-huh. we recovered and I didn't get to play. And, and Luke, it was a devastating to me, you know, and, and mm. it's funny. I, I thought about it after the game, you know, cause I told my parents, Hey, I'm hoping to get to play. And, you know, I didn't. And, and we went through the rest of the season and, and sure enough, you know, I, I, I never got to play it down and I'm, I'm disappointed and, and, uh, and so forth. Well, so the next year uh, I got moved to in, during spring training, uh, I got moved from linebacker to tight end. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I actually got some playing time and I got, I was on all the special teams. I got put on scholarship. Uh, the next year I got moved back to linebacker and, Though I was playing on special teams, I had pulled a hamstring and missed several games, and so that was a difficult year. And 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 then after my third season, Coach Cheryl comes in, he moved me back to tight end, and I ended up, uh, you know, backing up an All American, Mark Lewis, who went down with a knee injury, unfortunate for Mark in the first game, and, uh, and then I became a starter and started at tight end all that fourth season. So. You know, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. uh, well, it wasn't my dream to play linebacker at A&M, but at least, you know, <laughs> I, I, I I, got put on scholarship. I, I earned a couple of letters. I started one year. Um, I, I'm, I'm very grateful, you know. So after the season of that fourth and what I thought was my last year, I get a call from Coach Jackie Sherrill's office. And his assistant uh, said, said, Jeff, Coach Sherrill needs to see you right away. Hmm. And so I'm on my way, I'm walking from Kane Hall to Rudder Tower, uh, and I'm, I'm really wondering, you know, what, what's this about? I mean, it seemed urgent. Uh, it seemed important. Uh, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> didn't sound like I was in trouble, but it sounded like there was something that was significant here. And the best I could imagine was that, you know, Coach, Coach Cheryl kind of liked me and my effort and my story and all that. So I thought, well, maybe he wants me to you know, stay on as a graduate assistant. And, and mm. that also would help me continue to get my degree and, and so forth. Well, I got up to the office and he sat me down on his, in his office. Uh, and he looked at me and he said, he said, Jeff, the Southwest conference just changed a rule. Hmm. I said, really? He said, we, we were on a call this morning. We all voted that, uh, that, you know, from now on, um, you, you can red shirt, uh, even if you don't get hurt, which, which was a great rule. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, well, a lot of good that does me because, you know, my, my eligibility is up. Mm-hmm. And he said, Jeff, we, we also made that rule retroactive at the coach's discretion. So if there's anybody wow. on the roster in 1979, as long as they didn't play even one down, and, and they were very specific about that, you couldn't have played even one down in a varsity contest because apparently that, you know, would have revealed that, hey, there was intent there for mm-hmm. this person to burn their, their eligibility up. Well, very fortunately, um, you know, for me now, I just realized that by not playing that one down, 
Wow. I'm eligible for an extra season. And then Coach Shell proceeded to say, and Jeff, he said more than that. Uh, so not only are you going to play one more year, but I'm going to move you back to defense. Man. And we're changing defenses. We're going to run the 3-4 that he had run at Pittsburgh that Hugh Green, you know, a great outside linebacker, had made mm-hmm. – made uh you know was very very well known from from coach Cheryl's years at Pittsburgh and he said you know we're going to start wrecking offenses in the Southwest Conference he said I'm moving you and Billy Cannon Billy Cannon Jr. was playing wide receiver uh at that time while I was also tied in I'm moving both of you from offense to defense to play a new position called outside linebacker (laughs) and uh and so you know Went into camp and and it just turned out, Luke. That position was a great fit for me. You know, number one, yeah. I I had played tight end, so I knew uh, the outside linebacker position was oftentimes right over the tight end or else on mm. the open side. So I knew, you know, that area of the field from an offensive st- position, and it just was a great fit for my size, my speed, my tenacity, and so forth. And I just had a great fall camp and and came back. And uh, absolutely had uh, just a breakout season. I mean, to the shock of everyone in the program. I mean, I was one of the leading tacklers. You know, all of a sudden, by the end of the season, I, I was written about, you know, when we were playing other teams as, as a key, you know, factor on our defense. Of course, alongside legendary uh, yeah. Ray Childress. Of course. <laughs> uh, and it didn't hurt that I lined up oftentimes next to Ray. So that's Absolutely. another story. They had to double or triple team Ray. So I'm <laughs> able to make all these plays, but that's right. But so all of a sudden, you know, coach Cheryl's talking about me playing at the next level. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what's he talking about, you know, uh, wow. in, in, in NFL. And, and so anyway, to, to, to make a, a, a longer story shorter, uh, you know, turns out I, all of a sudden various teams are looking at me talking about, you know, signing me as a free agent, the Cowboys and the Redskins were, of course, two rivals, but I grew up watching the Cowboys, so I would have loved uh-huh. playing for the Cowboys. The Chiefs came in and worked me out just before the draft, and uh, sure enough, draft day comes along, and, and you know, I'm, I'm expected, expected to be a, a late rounder, more than likely, you know, free agent, if at all, and the Chiefs take me in the fifth round. I end up going to Kansas City and, and – uh, uh, having a really good camp and played quite a bit as a, as a rookie actually started my last three games, um, as a, as a rookie and, and, uh, and just was off to a, you know, a good start. Uh, and so, you know, really the takeaway though, from that story, Luke, is that, you know, going to Kansas city and, and, uh, basically, uh, you know, our signing bonuses weren't, uh, anything like they are today. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful. We, we, I made you know quite a bit more than I would have made as a as a first year uh, uh, industrial engineer out of A and M. But yeah, but really, uh, as I look back, you know, the chaplain of the Chiefs at that time, uh, who was a friend of mine, uh, Bob Leyleitner, he actually uh, introduced me to a young lady. He said, "There's a there's a girl that that I knew." Um, you know, from, from our church, it's involved in our, our summer program that you need to meet. And, uh, 
And I said, Bob, you know, she's, she's, you know, a whole lot younger. So she'll grow up, you know, and he had told her the same thing. And sure enough, uh, uh, he arranged for us to meet on, on Thanksgiving, my, my rookie year. And I went home and told my, my roommate at that time, I was actually living in Todd Blackledge's basement. Don't feel sorry for me. His basement was really nice uh, as a first round draft pick. Of course, I lived down uh-huh. there with his dog Amos, but I came home from, from that, from that Thanksgiving afternoon. And I said, Todd, I met my wife today. Wow. And sure enough, uh, uh, you know, a year and a half later, I would marry uh, uh, Beth and, and uh, you know, you think about it. Had that fumble gone, what I thought would have been my way. In other words, uh, SMU is able to, jump on the ball and I'm able to play, which I thought was clearly the best outcome of that fumble for me personally. Mm-hmm. Cause then I would have gotten to play at least a down at A&M. Yeah. Right? Which at that point was Huge. the dream. The yeah, NFL absolutely. wasn't, was, the NFL was not, wasn't a thought yet. And it was, it was critical for my future at A&M and everything else. And I, I it was devastating to me. It meant too much to me because football was my God at that time. Mm-hmm. But I look back and I see how, you know, Romans eight twenty eight promises us that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And in this case, even a seemingly, you know, fumbles, I mean, they happen all the time. And they're, while they're big in terms of, you know, how outcomes of college games go and all of that, in the big scheme of things, you know, a fumble it just kind of, especially if you're not really a football fan, it's like, who cares about a fumble, you know? Mm-hmm. And well, the reality is Luke, um, you know, all of us have fumbles. Hmm. What I mean by fumbles is things that don't go our way. We, we yep. may not be football players or even fans, but we all have relationships and situations and, you know, financial setbacks and untimely illnesses and so forth and so on. And, and of course, the whole world seems like it's 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 fumbling right now. Mm-hmm. And yet we know as believers that God is sovereign and is causing all things to work together for good for those who love him, even fumbles. And so I think of that story. And of course, that fumble every time something happens in my life or a friend of mine that it doesn't seem to go their way. And, and I, I just I'm just reminded of that great promise. Uh, you know, uh, the the ten verses before Romans eight twenty eight is Romans eight eighteen, where you know Paul says, "For for the sufferings of this present world aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed uh, mm. in, in Christ." And I think that passage is so encouraging; needs to be encouraging for believers throughout the world as we face the pandemic. And then of course the war and, and, and the, the, you know, the, the looming recession uh, and on and on, we all have fumbles and yet we can be confident, even rejoice in the fact that God is sovereign. And even if it's not in this life, those who come to faith and believe that he is the creator of the universe and he he does want to know each and every one of us who will believe and receive his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that um, we can know that um, that 
he will cause all to work together for good, even if it's not until we're actually absent from the body and present with the Lord hmm. um, at some point for all of eternity. And so, you know, I, I share that just uh, I find a lot of comfort in, in those passages, uh, not just from, you know, the, the relatively minor fumbles I, I come across, but even today as we face uh, great challenges as a world, I think we as Christians can have, we do have uh, hope uh, that's beyond this world. That doesn't mean that we we don't pray and work towards, you know, solving uh, the problems of the world, the, the, the Christian you know, uh, medical doctors uh, who are seeking cures and the, and the, and the Christian politicians who are fighting and scratching mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to make decisions and, and laws that, that uh, bring honor and glory, uh, you know, to, to God. And in the midst of this fallen, fallen and rebellious world, uh, we need to pray for them and encourage them and, 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 and do our best at whatever, you know, career and occupation God has, has placed us in. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it's just so, it's so comforting, uh, to know that we have a hope, uh, that, that is, uh, beyond, uh, this life. Gosh, what an encouraging reminder, an important reminder to trust in God's sovereignty. We all have fumbles, but God is sovereign. That's just an amazing story. At the moment, SMU fumbles, and it's devastating for you. But it turned out to lead you. You not getting in that game was what God had planned, and he was going to use that to propel you to everything you've done, which included four-year NFL career, which was the NFL even a thought in high school going to college? Not, and then you have your breakout not, season. Not, not even a not even a thought. I'd like to tell you that, you know, I was setting goals to make it to the NFL and so forth. And and honestly, I, I was, I thought, I thought, you know, ever starting at A and M was probably the highest goal I could could ever achieve. And uh, and so no, I not in my wildest dreams. Wow. So then, yeah, four year NFL career, and. Somewhere in there or after you get your seminary degree from Dallas Theological Seminary and you enter into vocational ministry after your NFL career. So tell our listeners, what was that process on wanting to go to seminary and then ending up and serving in vocational ministry? Yeah. Yeah, Luke. Um, So when I was in Kansas City, um, I had... Uh, we had a team Bible study, and and as I mentioned before, Bob Leilightner was our uh, kind of a volunteer chaplain at that time. He was a he was a pastor at a local uh, church at that time up in Kansas City, and uh, you know, and and he began to observe. He, he felt like that I had some some gifting uh, in communicating my faith. I would I would be asked to speak at youth groups and church functions and various rallies. Uh, I spoke at a kind of a, I think Leighton, Leighton Ford maybe was a Billy Graham hmm. associate. And he had, there was a huge, you know, rally. And I, you know, shared a little bit of my story before uh, he spoke. And, and so Bob was feeling like I had some, some gifting and some desire and communicating my faith. And so he suggested that maybe I take a seminary class or two in the off season. So 
I started to, I took a, a couple of classes at the Nazarene Seminary up there in Kansas City. And then the next year I, I went ahead and, and while I was home in Dallas, uh, enrolled at Dallas Seminary and, and took, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, three or four classes uh, that I that I took while I was working out and training. And at the same time, not not really thinking that I would definitely go into any type of vocational Christian ministry just to just to learn more about the Bible and my faith and and, and to become you know better equipped uh, as I would have opportunities both informally and also formally to share uh, my Christian faith. So my my seminary experience was a was uh, just very very favorable, a great time in in uh, in my life. I'm very grateful for that. Man, that's so that's so cool. I, I love hearing stories of of other people seeing something in someone and speaking it into them. Which what happened for you to propel you to go see take some seminary classes, right. and eventually you ended up being a college pastor. Correct. And we're able to impact lives through that way. Right. I, I, uh, when I finished playing, uh, the, the elders at Grace Bible Church and College Station invited me to come back and, and sort of help out uh, with uh, the college ministry at that time, uh, led by Dwight Edwards, who uh, was one of my early uh, mentors. And, uh, and so I, I, I came back after I retired and and uh, had finished seminary and we just kind of helped out here and there with really no, you know, no set plans to, to join the staff in any formal long-term way. It was more of a interim period to see if you know, I was also very involved with the fellowship of Christian athletes at that time. And I was considering perhaps a career there. And shortly after I was there, our senior pastor at that time uh, decided to take a position with uh, biblical education by extension uh, and, and went overseas. And so, uh, Dwight became the senior pastor and the elders asked me if I would, if I would, uh, take over the role of, of college pastor, which, uh, I, I was, uh, very, very humbled by the opportunity and, and, and frankly overwhelmed. Uh, but God was very gracious and gave us, uh, almost 10 years all in, including my first year, to serve in that role. And it was just a great time, uh, for my wife, Beth and I to, to work with students. Uh, you know, we, we, we continued, of course, uh, hoping that as many students as possible would come and hear the gospel on Sunday mornings. But we also felt like our focus needed to be more about discipling and having hmm. them in our homes. You know, I remember a, a verse, uh, that Paul, um, wrote to the, the Thessalonians, he said, we impart not only the gospel, but our own lives as well. So we really mm. felt like that was a very important part of our ministry to have, especially the leaders and, you know, uh, the, the students that sort of seem to surface and, and be uh, interested in really growing and taking their faith seriously. Uh, we, we tried to focus on them and and uh, we we saw a lot of lasting fruit from those uh, those years and very grateful for those uh, those times. All right, Jeff. So we have heard a lot about your story, uh, your football career and uh, your vocational ministry career. So before we get into some questions on ministering to athletes, uh, your experience ministering to those just in the sports world, what are you up to now and 
with, with, with your job? And then are there any ministry things that you're passionate about doing right now? Right. Well, great, great question. When I resigned from the vocational ministry, I, you know, I, I never saw myself in any way getting out of the ministry. I just saw my, my role would look different in terms of, you know, how God might use me and some of the opportunities. And so, for example, uh, at that time, uh, my oldest son was, I think, fifth or sixth grade. And so uh, that first year after I resigned from my vocational ministry, I took a volunteer job as a as an assistant coach out at a private uh, school and where the, you know, the head coach and athletic director, and he was probably a teacher as well, mm-hmm. you know, what was our only paid staff and the rest of us were dads. And another A&M teammate of mine and I were uh, assisting him and along with some other young men. And, and I'll tell you, Luke, uh, you know, uh, the, the coaches, uh, in, in our country and, and, and beyond, uh, the, the ones that are Christian men and women who see what they're doing as an opportunity to reach, you know, our, our young people, uh, they have frankly, one of the best, most fruitful, effective pulpits on the planet. Mm. I really believe that. And I, I, any coaches that are listening, I just, I applaud you and I'm, I'm so proud of you and grateful for you and for the work you're doing. I realized in that 13 years as a volunteer now, you know, we'd put in, you know, 20, 25 hours a week. I mean, we took it fairly yeah. seriously. We actually did some scouting, you know, nothing like they do at the, in big uh, Texas high school football or other <laughs> states or, right. or certainly the college level. Uh, but we, we saw our role with these young men as way more than teaching them the game of football. We were, we were, we were, we were doing that and we felt like we wanted to be excellent. We wanted to teach them how to uh, block and tackle and run and catch as well as anybody. And we were competitive. We made it, uh, you know, up near the, uh, I think the quarters or semis one year. And, um, but far more than that, we saw ourselves as having, we, we got it. Like we, we realized this, you know, we remember the impact our coaches had on us sometimes for good, sometimes not so good. Yeah. We were hoping that our example, our words, the approach we took would be, would have an impact on these young men. And sure enough, you know, decades later, we, all of us still run into, you know, a kid that we coached here and there and we hear they're married and they're mm. like just a few weeks ago, one of them came over to my home and, I've got a pond in the backyard and he was uh, wetting a line with his, with his young boy. And, you know, he just, he just said those, those years were so formative, you know, mm. you guys uh, played such a critical role in, in, in our lives. And, and, uh, and so, you know, that was one um, opportunity. Uh, the second was uh, coach Mike Sherman asked me to serve as, as a volunteer chaplain uh, for the AM football team. And so for, you know, Dr. Rick Rigsby, who, by the way, would be an outstanding uh, speaker, a guest sometime on your program. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll introduce you to Rick. Cool. But he was a professor here and R.C. Slocum had hired him as kind of a life skills coordinator. That was a way to make a chaplain get paid by the state. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but Rick, 
had to move to Dallas for some health issues and reasons. So uh, I took over for Rick and, uh, and I had, uh, um, you know, several years with, with, uh, with both uh, Dennis Francione and, and Mike Sherman as head coaches and, where I would lead, you know, Bible studies with coaches, uh, praying with and for them, encouraging them, bringing, you know, just a brief uh, devotional in the morning. Uh, we'd, we'd get up, you know, depending, depending on the staff and the year it was, I think one of the coaches one year, you know, he'd bring donuts and, and have coffee ready for us. And then hmm. uh, Mark Tarmadal and then, and then Dat Wynn was here as an assistant for a while, a great cowboy former player and he came yeah. back as an assistant and, and dat was so enthusiastic about having a, a Bible study for coaches. And so he, he brought uh, 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 pizza in every, you know, I forgot what day it was, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. And, and we'd meet up there in the offices and just, you know, just circle up. There'd be five, six, seven of us. Um, and we just, you know, just enjoy being together. And, and, you know, those guys just had such little time. Uh, yeah. Is anybody involved in, in college or any level of sports these days knows it's so demanding, mm-hmm. but that's all the more important that, you know, uh, those of us that, uh, that believe in what coaches are doing, we, we pray for them and we encourage and support them in any way we can. And so it was a, it was a honor and a privilege for me to serve in those roles. And those were, you know, the coaching and the chaplaining, those were two, opportunities that I would not have been able to have time for. I mean, I, yeah. I would do some chapel services for A&M and, you know, and I coach my kids little league soccer, but, you know, there wasn't any way I was going to be able to spend, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours a week uh, yep. away from all that I was doing as a college pastor at Grace mm-hmm. Bible. So, so I saw, you know, that the, the lesson for me there was it's, it's not about who signs your check. It's about, you know, who's, who's in your heart. And, Hmm. and so all of us who have, who have received Christ, we're, 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 we're ministers. The only question is, are we effective or not? And, and we don't have to be, you know, in a church or uh, involved with an athletic team. I mean, we, we, our workplace, our neighborhood, I mean, to see our lives, you know, just reflecting Christ um, as clearly and, 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 and lovingly uh, and winsomely as we can. Uh, that's the great need in the church today. And, and, and I, I know that people that are, that are, you know, involved in your ministry and listening to these podcasts are in agreement that that's, that's one reason they're circling up and gathering around and being encouraged by hearing the stories of, of some of the men and women that, you know, they maybe have identified with in, in uh, their sports careers. That's such a good reminder, and it reminds me of something. My pastor, every time we leave our Sunday gathering, he encourages us, just like you're saying, you know, God's placed you in areas of influence yes. that I can't go reach. Absolutely. So for like Absolutely. when you were coaching, you were in an area of influence to be a minister that a school teacher or that an accountant couldn't reach. No, no and, question. you know, seeing that, ministers aren't just the ones paid by churches, just like you're saying. Absolutely. Very important reminder. And the best ministers today are just like your pastor who see themselves, you know, to me, the church is, is a little bit like the huddle Hmm. and, and, and the, 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 the pastor and the the leaders are, 
sort of calling the plays, if you will. And then when Sunday service is over, it's ready break, and we go to the line of scrimmage to play. That's right. Who would go to a game if the two teams sat there in their huddles for three hours? <laughs> nobody. Oh, no one. No, no, nobody. What they want to see, what the world wants to see, are Christians out there making plays. Yep. Uh, not for the glory of Texas A&M or the Dallas Cowboys or, or whoever, but but for the kingdom of God, and and they will see and and wonder what it is that makes him differently. What. What is it about her that is different that I'm I'm drawn to? Hmm. Uh, I want to know more, you know. And yep. so, uh, to me, that's a that's a just a great analogy of a reminder and an encouragement for those of us that aren't in vocational ministry. That as your pastor gets the the the, the reality that his church, the 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 people, not his church, Christ Church under his care. Yep are going out to make plays all week long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that to me is, is when it gets really exciting, man. Thanks so much for that encouragement. Great reminder for our listeners. Um, I do want to ask this. You've been around tons of athletes, ton, everyone in the sports world, and no doubt everyone listening to this episode is probably a diehard sports fan. Are there any areas when you were coaching or a chaplain where there was there were specific things you all you found yourself speaking into in the lives of athletes, specific struggles that the players you coached or the people that you uh, influenced as a chaplain, areas that you saw commonly that were struggles for these athletes that you were speaking into. You know, that's a great, a great question, uh, Luke. And, and I would say that the one you know, uh, there's, there's probably many peripheral issues and, 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 struggles with, with, with sin and so forth that, that anyone has, regardless of what they're doing. But, but for athletes, I would say the flagship struggle is, is identity. And, mm. and, and what I mean by that is, you know, our world so um, looks, up, looks up to athletes and, and coaches and those who have been able to you know, run the fastest and hit the hardest or throw the longest or whatever, whatever they do, you know, um, yep. in their sport. And, and we're just, we're amazed by that, you know, and, 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 you know, at some level, all of us perhaps could do it at a level, but then we, we, we go and we watch the next level and the level after that. And we just see them doing it at a, at a, at a, at a level that's just, you know, amazing. And we're in awe and and certainly there's nothing wrong with enjoying you know that um that experience and 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 watching you know men and women who have been who've been given you know god-given talents whether they realize it or not but the christian athletes typically are aware that you know definitely they may have worked out and trained and all that but at the end of the day uh you know they were they were given a lot of talent uh, absolutely the right genes and so forth and so I think that, you know, when you grow up as an athlete like that, your whole world, the, the, the higher the level, the, you know, you get to even nowadays, uh, you know, high level high school football is very identifying. I mean, it's it becomes all that you think about, you know, not just all week and all season long, but year round. I mean, there's yep. a few athletes that play different sports, but even in the high school level and then at college, you know, you're 
you're on a scholarship, you're identified as a, as an athlete, as a football player, or a volleyball player, whatever your sport is. And it's so consuming and, and identifying that it's, it's so important, I think, for, for young athletes to, to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, if they're in Christ, they, their identity is, is, is in him mm-hmm. and their worth is, their value is based on, you know, the value of, of his life, that he gave his life for the forgiveness of their sin. And, and so, you know, the expression of their lives and part of that is their athletic ability to do their best yep. to work heartily as unto the Lord and not for men is part of their worship and their gratitude for what God has done. But it doesn't determine, you know, who they are and how valuable they are. And so what happens, um, Luke, is that then all of a sudden when when that identity is gone, in other words, when maybe I don't get that college scholarship or I, I realize a, a career ending injury. Yeah. And definitely. all of a sudden the game is over. I'm no longer, you know, the, the, the star, you know, whatever position I play, I, I'm no longer, you know, somebody that's talked about in the program. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, th- that that's gone. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think that's, you know, that's really the, the, the key issue because every other, you know, a, not every other, but a lot of other struggles that athletes have aren't unlike others, but they can sort of hide some of those other insecurities behind, you know, sort of the glory little G of, of yep. their participation in a game and being, mm-hmm part of something bigger than themselves and so forth. And, yeah. you know, at some point, um, uh, of course, you know, sports as a, as an occupation ends for all of us. I mean, it does. I mean, you know, and, and, and the, the greatest that ever play, you know, will we'll tell you that that's a, that's a real difficult, I mean, you, you can see them, they, they weep. There's their grown men and they're weeping, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not that that's wrong. I don't, I'm not here to say that, but I just think for the Christian, it's so important to realize that their worth, their value isn't based on, you know, how, how well they perform. In fact, I think once someone becomes a Christian, there's a freedom and perhaps a, a release of the pressure, you know, that now I can just do my best yeah. and, leave the, and leave the rest in, in God's hands. And I know Definitely. that for me was, you know, when I began my personal uh, walk and relationship with Christ right in the middle of my college uh, years, like between my second and third, the summer after my second season. Um, you know, I remember just feeling this, this peace that, that, you know, as, as Paul says, that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds hmm. in Christ Jesus. And I remember going to practice and just saying, you know, I'm going to do my best today and there's going to be days that are going to go well and others that don't go so well. And, and, uh, and I, I, I know that I'm, I'm loved, I'm accepted in Christ um, and, 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 and among my teammates, my Christian brothers on the team, uh, regardless. And there was a freedom there that I think actually, in my case, enabled me to play at a higher level than I had before, uh, just Man. because I was, I was free from that bondage, really, yep. of, of having to perform. And so there's, as you can see, there's all kinds of parallels to the rest of our lives. Yep. And I think that's one thing that athletes, you know, um, 
if, if we're wise, we'll, we'll reflect on our athletic careers and, and try to learn, you know, because Paul had so many analogies about sports, running, right. wrestling, and, 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 and fighting the good fight. And, I mean, you know, you've got all these images of mm-hmm. the Olympic sports of his day. And, and so while, you know, scholars don't necessarily think Paul was, a, was an athlete, in fact, I think many think he had some difficulties with his eyes. So perhaps he was not able to participate, but he obviously loved to watch. And he was a sports fan. In fact, I think that would be a great devotional sometime that, you know, you think of Paul was clearly an avid sports fan. He loved athletic competition. And he so the spirit of God so wisely, you know, had him talk about, you know, uh, run the race that is set before us, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and fighting the good fight and, and 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 boxing you know uh i mean all these analogies wrestling uh you know i'm texas we didn't we didn't have wrestling as a as a as a uh, as a sport but up north you know where they wrestle i mean absolutely wrestling is intense and yep. paul uses that as a phenomenal analogy of 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 what the christian life is like and so you know there's so much we can learn and and uh and, and enjoy uh you know and that's why I love what you guys are doing because you're helping all of us who are sports fans, you know, sort of um, uh, maybe help sanctify uh, all the interest and the time and, and, and draw some value and be reminded that, hey, we can, there's lots of examples uh, that we can find that are encouraging, you know, for our own lives and faith. Absolutely. You know, that's, it's, it's fascinating how, you know, athletes get to see maybe more obviously or firsthand the how difficult it is to find your identity in Christ if it's all about performance but right. every one of us experiences that in careers families relationships absolutely that, that desire to perform to earn approval is something we'll always have to fight absolutely so no question great reminder and man we're gonna have to have you on again in the future i feel like we just scratched the surface jeff well i've enjoyed so much luke i really have Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story and uh just sharing some of the wisdom you've learned over the years and uh very much looking forward to keeping in touch okay look forward to it luke thank you well there you guys go that is jeff Payne joining us here on the unpacking it podcast presented by metashare sharing the personal side of sports this is unpacking it man what an awesome conversation with jeff i don't know about you but i'm so encouraged after that One, it was a great conversation because he's a great storyteller. The fumble story, just the imagery. I feel like I was in the stands at that game. So his his storytelling was was awesome. There's two things that I'm really encouraged about and wanted to reflect on. You know, the first thing was Jeff's point that we're all ministers. As, As followers of Jesus, that is. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and you are a follower of Christ... You are a minister of the gospel. Vocational ministers are not the only ones that are to be preaching the gospel, telling the truth of God's word to others. That's the calling for all of those who claim to be, to claim to be followers of Christ. And the point that 
you know, we're, we've all been given different areas of influence that other people can't reach, that God's put us in to reach people. You know, I'll never make the NFL. I mean, that's a joke to even think about. No chance. Jeff did, though. He, and he was given an area of influence to minister to others with the truth of God's word. Teachers, accountants, doctors, uh, landscapers, you know, whatever your career, wherever you live, the families you've been born into, you have opportunities to minister to the people around you that others don't. And, you know, Jeff's point that pastors, if their goal is to do all the ministering, all the preaching, all the gospel proclamation in their, in their city, you know, that, that's going to fall short. But if the purpose is, if one of the purposes of Sundays to come together as a body of believers to worship and then be sent out, that is a model of reaching all these areas of influence. Pastors can't do it by themselves, nor is that the calling of Christ followers. So it was a great reminder, and I needed to hear it, that, you know, God has me where I am, and he's given me an area of influence that other people don't have. So I should steward this well, and I should be on the lookout. Hey, what are opportunities that I have to minister to others with the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word? So that was a great reminder. You know, the other thing that I found really encouraging was just Jeff talking about how the chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs mentored him, spoke into him, and kind of shepherded him towards specific giftings he had. He saw in Jeff opportunities to preach, to minister to others, potential vocational ministry down the line. And that's just a great reminder, especially in discipleship relationships. You know, we have opportunities to really speak into and affirm the giftings of others. If you've had that done in your life where someone has affirmed the, a gifting that you've been given by God, maybe a gifting you never realized, or maybe a gifting you weren't confident in and you needed someone to speak into it, that's tremendous. So we should welcome that, and we should be looking for the people in our influence to affirm the giftings of them, to encourage them to walk in the ways God has gifted them. So that was another encouraging reminder, one, to seek out relationships in my life where people would speak into me, and two, to be on the lookout of, you know, who's in my life that I can encourage? Who is someone in my life who has a gifting that I can encourage and say, hey, you know what? I think God's really blessed you with this gift. You should continue to walk in this area. You should, you should pursue that. Of course, informed by God's word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, not in our own wisdom, not in our own strength, but, you know, just an important reminder, and I appreciate Jeff talking about that. So, you know, thanks so much for listening to today's episode It was so encouraging to me. I hope it was encouraging for you. Again, thanks so much to our presenting sponsor, MediShare. You can visit MediShare.com slash it to learn more about reliable and affordable healthcare. And that's all for today. I'm Luke. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin and he was resurrected and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. 
presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackinit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.